After two seasons impacted by COVID-19, the NHL looks to play a full slate starting on Tuesday, even amid a fourth wave of the pandemic. But despite the sense of normalcy that comes with a return to the ice, the league is reckoning with the departure of one of Canada's biggest on-ice stars. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Post Media's national hockey columnist Michael Trakos joins me to discuss why it's so important to the league to hold a season, how the NHL has managed the COVID vaccine situation, and the news that star goalie Carey Price has entered the player assistance program. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So, Mike, we are on the eve of what hopes to be the first normal NHL season in a couple years. You know, we had the the COVID shortened season last year. We had uh, the season before that interrupted by COVID, and then we had the summer bubble playoffs. How important is it for the NHL and for a lot of these teams to have what appears to be a normal hockey season at this point? Yeah, I, I think fans, players, you know, anyone who's involved in hockey or, you know, just any walk of life, we all just want to return to normalcy. And at least it looks that way with the NHL. I think at last count, there was fewer than five players who have yet to be double vaccinated. So that, that's a huge sigh of relief. And the players who haven't received both doses of the vaccine, we're not talking about the Sidney Crosby's or Connor McDavid type player. Uh, I think the, the most Significant might be Devils goaltender Mackenzie Blackwood, and mm-hmm. even then, no one was expecting the Devils to, you know, r- really make uh, a huge step forward this year. So, you know, it, it's you know, fingers are still crossed. We know what's going on, you know, west of the country in Alberta with the problems they're having. You know, all, all it takes is just another wave, you know, for things to get disrupted. But you know, I, at least you can see sort of a way out of this pandemic. And I think for the NHL, it's great news. Like we should have full buildings this year. We're back to, you know, a regular season, uh, 82 games with every team back in their respective divisions. So, you know, for the NHL, this is great news. This is a, a way to get that salary cap to start rising again after a couple of years of, you know, we're remain flat. And mm-hmm. for a lot of teams, uh, that's a sigh of relief because, you know, I'm in Toronto where, right up against the cap and Edmonton is similar situation. And I think a lot of teams are looking for that relief. Yeah. Now looking at the idea of having, you know, full arenas, obviously there's been concern, as you mentioned, Alberta's in the middle of a pretty nasty fourth wave of COVID-19 fueled by the Delta variant. There's been a lot of talk of whether the league should even allow full buildings or teams should maybe not allow full buildings. How important is it for teams to have people in seats? And do you feel that the league is kind of done a due diligence and and teams doing their due diligence by insisting on vaccine passports, especially in the Canadian markets? From a competitive standpoint, I think it's really important that, you know, the Canadian teams sort of match their American counterparts in terms of fan attendance. I think it would be a crazy disadvantage if teams like Toronto, Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg weren't able to have, you know, full attendance and, uh, you're playing in a division where Chicago or Tampa or what have you do have full attendance. So just from a competitive standpoint, I think it makes a lot of sense. But, you know, I, I kind of like how the league is going about it. I like how the individual teams are going about it. It's not like they're sacrificing health and safety just to put on a, 
entertaining product, they seem to be doing their due diligence. And you know, at the first sign of trouble, so to speak, with the virus, they will shut things down. But, you know, so far, so good. Like I mentioned, I think it's important that, you know, on mass, the NHL seems to have taken, you know, getting vaccinated very seriously. Like I said, with the exception of a couple players, this is a league that is pretty much almost reached 100% vaccination. And I think that's the reason why we're seeing that return to normalcy. So mm-hmm. well, we'll see where it goes. But, you know, I'm excited and I'm, I'm kind of being positive in the fact that I think the season should go on without a hitch. Hopefully without the hitches that we saw last year where, you know, teams like Vancouver had to be quarantined. And yeah. we might have seen maybe a negative effect in terms of uh, whether that team could have made the playoffs if not for those mandatory quarantines. Looking at the players who haven't been vaccinated, as you mentioned, there's like a small amount of them. What's at stake for them? Obviously, I assume that they can't cross borders without some kind of quarantine. And so it's the potential loss of income. You know, you mentioned for the Devils, it's one of their goalies and and goalies, they could travel with a different backup and goalies don't tend to play all 82 games anyway. So he may not lose out on anything if he opts to stay unvaccinated. But what's at stake for some of these other players here? Yeah, I think what you just mentioned, like, you're not going to play if you're not vaccinated. Plain and simple. Like, you could say, okay, well, I'm just going to play the games in Canada uh, without having to travel the border or in the U.S. without having to travel across the border. But let's face it, there is no North Division. There's no All-Canadian Division this year. So, you know, border crossing is part of the job. And if you're having to quarantine for a week or two weeks after every time you play in the U.S. or play in Canada, well, you're putting yourself out of the game, but you're also putting your team behind the eight ball, so to speak, because imagine being without your starting goaltender for upwards of two weeks. Like That's six games right there for a lot of teams, and you do the math, and uh, hockey is such a team sport. That's a big part of why I think the players were getting vaccinated, is that no one wanted to put themselves above the team, and once one player was doing it, it seemed like all the players were doing it again, minus a couple of exceptions. So it's a good sign that the NHL went this way. I think it showed that they are serious about getting a season completed this year. And for the rest of society, it's, you know, if these guys are uh, your role models uh, for a lot of kids I and mean, a lot of people, they kind of take their cues from athletes or from entertainment, whether that's right or wrong, it does send the right message. Obviously, last year was an anomaly. It was a shortened season. It was a season, as you mentioned, the Canadian division. We had, you know, all the Canadian teams playing one division. We didn't see any competition cross the border until the playoffs. What does this year look like for Canadian teams? Is it a year where we have some contenders in various divisions that could make it far into the playoffs that could prove to potentially be spoilers to teams like Tampa Bay, who in the past couple of years have looked extremely, obviously won two Stanley Cups in a row, but have for years looked fairly strong? No, last year was the opportunity for a Canadian team to, I think, the end of the drought. The best opportunity that you know we've seen in decades. The fact that one of the seven Canadian teams was basically guaranteed a spot in the semifinal was huge. And, you know, we saw Montreal take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Probably wasn't a team that anyone really thought was going to make noise in the playoffs or had a chance at winning a Stanley Cup. But all it takes is to really kind of get in that position. And once they moved on to that semifinal and we saw Carey Price stand on his head and get past Vegas, they were four games or four wins away from being the first team since 93 to win a cup. This year it becomes incredibly hard. Toronto, which I thought, and I think a lot of fans thought, were 
you know, the number one contender out of Canada to, you know, go all the way. Now you're, instead of being in a division with Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Montreal, now you're going back to that planet where you know, you're going up against the two-time defending champions in Tampa Bay. You've got Boston, you've got a Florida team that's getting better, and you've got a Montreal team that went to the cup finals. So it becomes a lot harder, whether it's Edmonton, whether it's Winnipeg, whether it's the, the Leafs, to get to that final now. And we'll see what happens. I don't think anyone is thinking that a Canadian team is going to win it this year. If they do, it means that you're going to have to beat some really good teams. And that wasn't the case last year. Now, you mentioned uh, Montreal getting past Las Vegas. Las Vegas, when they came into the league a few years ago, they surprised everybody by making a deep playoff run in their rookie season. This year marks the NHL debut of the Seattle Kraken. For people who have been you know, looking at how that team may shape up against its competition in the Pacific Division in the Western Conference, could we have another Vegas on our hands? Or is this looking to go the route of you know past expansion teams that have kind of floundered in their first go at it? Yeah, you know what? I'm kind of you know, hesitant to say that Seattle could be another Vegas just because you know the Vegas story was so unique. For, forget about what they did, like even before the season started, that team was galvanized by uh, just the horrific shooting right on the strip. Mm-hmm. Then they seemed to band together under that whole golden misfit moniker. And the players who they chose, it seemed like everyone had just a ridiculous career year. The same rules are in place for Seattle where they were able to get a, an expansion team roster that is better than in years past. And they're in a Pacific Division where I think for the most part it's up for grabs. And I like what they did in terms of that roster. I think they're a strong team in net and on the back end. But to say that they're going to go win the division and go all the way to the final in year one, yeah, that, that, that might be a reach. But they're definitely going to be in a hunt for a playoff spot. That's going to be true. And if they're not, like, don't be surprised if that's one of the more active teams come trade deadline. Like mm-hmm. Mark Giordano is an unrestricted free agent, very attractive piece. So if Seattle's, you know, not in the playoff picture come trade deadline, there could be a lot of players that get moved there as, you know, Ron Francis and company look to build this team, not just for year one, but for the long haul. Yeah, talking to a lot of players even before the preseason started at that player media tour in Toronto where they brought down basically two players for every Canadian team. Everyone was high on what Seattle was able to do at the expansion draft. Everyone thinks that they're going to be a really hard team to play against this year. And if the players think that, there's got to be a reason for it. And I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle makes the playoffs. Let's put it that way. Earlier, you mentioned uh, Montreal Canadiens playoff performance last year. A lot of people were really captivated by that story. They weren't necessarily a team that was expected to go very far in the playoffs and wound up making the Stanley Cup Finals. A lot of that was based on the play of goaltender Carey Price. He's been a fixture with the Montreal Canadiens for years. And as we're recording this on Thursday morning, news broke that Carey Price is going to be out for potentially a month or so, maybe more. Word is that he's entered the league's player assistance program. And I wanted to quote... Angela Price, Carrie's wife, posted on social media, you know, she talks about no matter what is on the line, we hope we can communicate the importance of putting your mental health first, not just by saying it, but by showing up and doing the work to get better. And she goes on to say it's incredibly important to us to show our kids that asking for help 
and letting yourself be supported by others is not just okay, but encouraged anytime and under any circumstance. We don't know the specifics about why Carey Price has entered the player assistance program, whether it's depression or anxiety, or if it's a substance abuse issue, we don't want to speculate on that, but what does that say to the league where you have someone in, you know, that high profile, a player taking a step back at this point? Yeah, first and foremost, Carey Price, I wish him all the best in his recovery from whatever he is dealing with. You know, I'm not going to speculate on what it is, but yeah, just mm-hmm. as a hockey player, as a person, I'm just hoping that he does get the help that he needs and he recovers from this. And I think all of us want to see him back on the ice because, you know, I mean, let's face it, this is a future Hall of Famer who's probably uh, going to go down as uh, on a short list of some of the best goaltenders that have ever played the game. That being said, the Montreal Canadiens were already kind of preparing for this. Kerry had a off-season surgery to repair torn meniscus from last season, mm-hmm. and there was a chance that he was going to be ready for the start of the season. The team already has Jake Allen in that, and I, I believe Allen might have even played more games than Price last year. So this isn't anything new for the Canadians to handle. If Kerry Price can get back in time for the playoffs, granted if Montreal is in a position to qualify for the playoffs, I think that's all that fans really are concerned about from a you know performance standpoint. There's Carey Price in the regular season and there's Carey Price in the playoffs. And there's a huge difference between the quality of goaltending that Montreal gets from Price when it comes playoff time. If he can be ready and if he can do what he did last year, the time off might serve him extremely well. Mm-hmm. But that's the that's the question. Like the, the Atlantic is a tough division. And if Montreal isn't better than Tampa, Toronto, or Florida, who I've pretty much have penciled in as my top three teams in the division. Well, it's going to be a dogfight for them to get in as one of the wildcard teams, especially with how tough that Metro division is. So it could be a serious blow for Montreal. Not only Price is going to be out, but they're also missing Shea Weber, who is their, is their captain and, you know, heart and soul of the team. So a lot of it's going to depend on how good Jake Allen is in that, but also on whether the young players like Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield and company can take that step forward after an incredible year last year. What's the significance to the league to have a player of Carey Price's stature stepping aside for possible mental health concerns? I know there was a lot of talk in the summer around the Olympics and you had Simone Biles, a U.S. gymnast, step aside due to her mental health. We had Naomi Osaka step away from you know press conferences and tennis, which forced her out of some major tournaments due to her own mental health. The fact that the league is potentially bracing for a broader discussion around the health of its athletes and the mental health of its athletes. How significant is it for Carey Price to be stepping aside at this point? It's really significant. In Montreal, you didn't mention, but the Jonathan Druin took a similar leave of absence at the end of last season to deal with anxiety issues. So, mm-hmm. you know, the NHL and sports in general and, you know, society in general treats mental health so differently than uh, we did in the past. Just a couple of days ago, Robin Lehner, uh, the goaltender for the Vegas Golden Knights, was shining a light on mental health as well as substance abuse issues where players allegedly being prescribed pain medication and cycle analytical drugs without prescriptions from teams. And whether that's true or not, it, it did shine a light on an issue that, you know, hasn't received maybe enough attention where, you know, players are dealing with pain, whether it's physical, whether it's mental on a daily basis. And 
sometimes we kind of forget the fact that, you know, despite being paid millions of dollars and working at a job that any of us would consider a dream job, but there come sacrifices with being an NHL player or being put in that spotlight in general. And, you know, the, the more players who come out and talk about this issue and thrust it into the spotlight, whether it's Price, whether it's Naomi Osaka, whether it's Simone Biles, uh, I think it's just going to send the right message going forward because too many people suffer in silence. And if Price can be sort of a, a shining example of, you know, not being afraid to take a step back, I think the sport and society is going to be better for it. Kerry Price has been a fixture not just on the Canadians, but on Canada's men's Olympic hockey team. We are heading into an Olympic season in Beijing in early 2022. How does his departure from the Canadians potentially affect the Olympic team? Does that mean that maybe he's potentially not a lock to be one of the goaltenders in Beijing for us? Does Team Canada have to find someone else? Like, What's the goaltending prospects for Canada's Olympic team? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because we're talking about a tournament that's going to be happening in February. But mm-hmm. uh, let's face it, uh, Carey Price was you know, Canada's number one goaltender without question going into this Olympic game. Ken Holland told me as much back in the playoffs when Price was standing on his head for the Habs. So let's say Carey Price isn't available. Okay, well, now you're without your number one starter. And you know, let's not forget Mackenzie Blackwood who we mentioned earlier on in this podcast uh, for not getting the COVID vaccination. Many think he's probably your number three goaltender. So Canada could be without two thirds of his goaltenders and then the Olympics. And you know that puts a lot of pressure on who's going to be the goalie. Marc-Andre Fleury is obviously, you know, might've put himself in the best situation now to be Canada's number one. That being said, he's, he's, He's not getting any younger these days. And yeah. uh, the fact that Vegas walked away from him and traded him to Chicago might be a sign that, you know, last year's Vezina winner could be due for, you know, a down year. And if that's the case, Canada just suffered a, a huge blow going into the Olympics. So Carter Hart in Philadelphia rebounds from what was a bad year last season and puts his name in that mix, maybe a guy like Braden Holpe, another sort of guy on his way uh, down productively, uh, takes a step forward, or even you know, forty-year-old Mike Smith enters his name in the ring. But it's a question. There's no question marks when you look at Canada's roster when it comes to centermen or even forwards. But now in that, you've got a giant question mark where we don't know what Price's status is going to be. We don't know what Blackwood's status is going to be, and there's not a whole lot of young goaltenders sort of knocking on that door. And just looking at the Olympics more broadly in terms of its impact on the NHL season, I know that guys like Connor McDavid wanted to go play for Team Canada, that I think there's some happiness that they're able to go compete. But what does it mean for the season? Like, does it change how teams could perform in the regular season? Looking at the Oilers, guys like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl playing for their countries in Beijing, does that do they come back fatigued? Do they potentially come back sick? And then that hurts the Oilers' chances? What is the thoughts among the league around this two-week, three-week Olympic break? You sound like an NHL owner right now. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that, is, that is the number one fear of any team that has a guy going to the Olympics or many players going to the Olympics. And you, you talk to GMs or, like I said, team owners, and the Olympics is not something that they are crazy or enthused about. They'd rather 
the league just hold World Cup of Hockey tournaments in the off season where you know the risk of injury doesn't risk uh, what a team might do in the playoffs. The last time the Olympics were held, I believe it was uh, John Tavares suffered a, a leg injury, or maybe that was two Olympics ago. But mm-hmm. you know the risk of injury is huge. It's when you see star players, you know, throw checks or block shots or do the things that they normally wouldn't do in a season because they want to win gold and because all eyes are on them and they're representing their country. So, yeah, whether it's McDavid putting himself at risk or Sidney Crosby or what have you, that's always the fear. That being said, you know, you're never going to tell a player that he can't go to the Olympics and play for his country, especially after being robbed of an Olympic experience last time around. Guys like McDavid, who never got to experience it, are itching for this opportunity, and they're going to do whatever it takes. So uh, I'm sorry, Oilers fan, but uh, you, you can have some <laughs> nervous moments there whenever McDavid is cutting towards the net on a one-on-one. I'm excited. I'm sure other hockey fans across the country are excited to see the season get started. Uh, Mike, as always, thanks for your time. Okay, thank you. 10-3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Michael Trakos. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.